Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the burner, less lethal pistol launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo, It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, while investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, 15 days to go. Glad you are with us. I'm loving all of these Democrats talking about voter fraud uh, as if they never claimed they believed in rigged elections. Now the president's eh, more like a Powerball. Well, this is what he said. I would just like to know what you can say to reassure us that this election will not be rigged or stolen. Well, I tell you what, it, it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. Um, but, but look, I come from Chicago, so, so I want to be honest. It's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have to. You know, whenever people are in power, they're, you know, they have this tendency to try to tilt things in their direction. Oh. So you actually now what is he saying today about Donald Trump and and what he thinks about voter fraud? So I'm telling you, Florida, your vote does matter. Your vote does count. And this whole notion of voter fraud. Listen, one study shows that out of one billion votes cast, there were exact there, there were 31 proven cases of voter fraud, 31 out of a billion. You are luckier to get, you, you are much likelier to get struck by lightning than to have somebody next to you commit voter fraud. You, you'd, you'd win the Powerball. You'd win the Powerball struck by lightning. Well, that's not what he was saying back when it was his election, when it mattered to him. It was like Hillary Clinton. It's the same thing. Look, you know, does anybody remember if I hear one more pro-Hillary Democrat like Obama telling us no evidence of voter fraud and that it's been a, widest- a widespread problem, I'm going to reach through the TV and bust it. I can't take it anymore. By the way, it is unwatchable television now. It is you, you know you cannot trust the news media. 
you know that they are an extension of Hillary's press office. You know that now. We've proven that now. WikiLeaks has proven that. So it's a little frustrating to get lectures because the way they cover topics, the way they don't cover topics, for example, James O'Keefe, he'll be on the program later today. We've got this guy, Creamer, who's been to the White House 342 times on tape saying that, well, Hillary Clinton has demanded that we go out and Donald Donald Duck Donald Trump. She's she in other words, she's signing off on all of this. And after all, it's her campaign that's paying the bill. It's her campaign that is out there, you know, funneling the money to the DNC. The DNC funnels it to another group, which funnels it to the people that go out there and and foment violence and are orchestrating a massive voter fraud operation. Oh, excuse me if I watch it. And I actually believe the Democrats that did foment violence are also working in voter fraud, the voter fraud capacity that they're caught on tape saying. By the way, in case you've forgotten, I urge you to Google the word ACORN, as in the voter fraud operation that Obama used to be the attorney for. Now, ACORN, Fox News points out, once a powerful advocate for low-income minority voters, shuttered its operations amid plummeting revenues in March, six months after conservative activists posing as a pimp and a prostitute. Who would that be? Let me think. Who was that? Oh, James O'Keefe. That's right. And caught on video some of the group's employees offering them tax advice. Yeah, James O'Keefe's first big bust. Now, Nevada officials have charged ACORN, their regional director, their Vegas field director, with submitting, get this, thousands of fraudulent voter registration forms last year. Larry Lomax, the registrar of voters in Vegas, says he believes 48% of ACORN's forms are clearly, quote, fraudulent prosecutors in pittsburgh pa have have charged seven acorn employees with filing hundreds of fraudulent voter registrations before last year's election the wall street journal fred voigt deputy election commissioner in philly protested after acorn submitted at least 1500 fraudulent registrations last fall this has been going on now for a number of years he told cnn in october well you wouldn't know it I mean, CNN reports it, but their own media reporter can't actually get uh, their own reporting together and get that straight. Anyway, according to uh, St. Louis Democrat Matthew Potter, the city's deputy elections director had similar complaints. Washington state prosecutors fined Acorn 25 grand after several employees were convicted of voter registration fraud in 07. The group signed a consent decree with King County, Seattle, requiring it to beef up its oversight or face criminal prosecution. And then in the 2008 election, ACORN's practices led to investigations, some ongoing, in 14 other states. Fox News reported in Miami, seven former ACORN voter registration canvassers were convicted of, quote, false swearing in, false swearing in an election, sentenced to probation, community service, banned from participating in future political campaigns, according to court documents. In Pennsylvania, notice the states they're all coming from are swing states. Six of seven former ACORN workers were charged in an investigation or convicted of unsworn falsification interference with election officials. Four reached plea agreements and reduced charges and served two years probation. Cases against two others have entered pleas on reduced charges. That's still pending. In Milwaukee, three former ACORN workers have been convicted of, guess what, election fraud. Kevin Clancy sentenced 10 months in prison for his role in submitting falsified voter registration forms before the 08 election. 
Clancy will start his sentence once he finishes another sentence that he's currently serving for armed robbery. Uh, Clancy's co-worker, Maria Miles, who pled guilty to election fraud in August, will be sentenced December 6th. In September, Frank Walton pled guilty to submitting 54 fake voter registrations during the 2008 presidential campaign. He faces up to 42 months in prison and a $10,000 fine when he is sentenced in December. I can keep going. In Washington state, Kendra Lynn Thill was convicted in March of voter registration forms in the midterm election. And it goes on from there. I mean, sorry, what's, what's so hard about this? And Donald Trump out there saying, well, I'll concede if the election's fair. Okay, if the election is fair, you'll concede. Forty-one percent of the public actually agree with Trump that the election could be stolen. And I'm quoting here a Politico morning console poll. Forty-one percent registered voters say they agree that widespread voter fraud could be used to steal the election from the GOP nominee, including 19 percent who say they strongly agree. I guess it's not so... Far-fetched after you look at the actual record. So we'll have to wait and see. Obama's out there. It's more likely to be struck by lightning than witness any voter fraud. You're more likely to win the lotto. All right, we've got this latest um, we got this latest Project Veritas video that we'll be sharing, and James O'Keefe will be joining us in the course of the program today. Looking forward to that. Uh, 15 days out. What does that mean to you? Well, that means in two weeks from tomorrow, is election day. Now, look, people are asking me everywhere I go, do you think he's got a chance? Do you think he can win? Do you think he's still in this? Do you think he can win? I have never, ever felt as, I don't even know what to say. I don't have a pulse like I usually feel in most elections. So let me say that first and foremost. Number two, Let me tell you that I believe in the polls. Now, I know a lot of you are going to be upset to hear that. You don't want to hear that I believe in the polls. You want me to say, you want me to tell you what you want to hear. Well, I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you what I think is the truth. I mean, we've got the IDP poll, Investors Business Daily tip poll, and they literally have it dead even. Hillary and Trump. It's dead even today. Trump is up by two in the Rasmussen poll. Clinton is up by one in the L.A. Times poll. Well, then you could take a look at the Washington Post poll and what? That shows plus 12 for Hillary Clinton. That's a big number. Why are they so wrong? Well, I've got a reason for that and an explanation for that that we're going to get to. Interesting, there's a new Podesta. We have a lot lot of new WikiLeaks out today actually exposes a playbook for rigging polls through oversamples. This is in WikiLeaks. You can't make this up. There's such corruption being exposed. I'm being widely panned and beaten up, and I'm fine with that. That's part of my role in life is to get the crap beat out of me, I guess, and I can accept it because I said that Julian Assange has done a service to this country. And people keep quoting what I said back 10 years ago, that he should be put in prison. Now, when Julian Assange was on this program for 90 minutes, I addressed what I said about him head on with him. Did I not, Linda, did I not tell him, hey, I 10 years ago, dude, I had no faith in you whatsoever. Because I thought that somebody might get killed with you releasing information. 
But if you really stand back for a second, now the same Clinton supporters that, and even Hillary whining during the debate, oh, this is unfair, this, the Russians did this. There's no evidence that I have seen. She says 16 agencies. What agencies? She's full of crap. She makes stuff up just like she denied the $6 billion that was lost under her tenure at the State Department. Anyway, look, I am just saying he exposed that this country has no cybersecurity. He was 16 years old, hacked into NASA. 16 years old. Now, maybe he's a boy genius. Maybe he's just an average computer guy. Maybe he's above average. But if he can break into NASA and the Department of Defense and he's only 16 years old and we have all of these emails coming out, we better take a very good, long, hard look about how we're going to protect especially top secret information of our country. So he's done us a service. The second thing is, as much as I in 30 years of radio have believed my government and the people running it are corrupt, I've always known it as, as much as I declared in 08 journalism's dead now we have all the evidence and all the proof we could ever want and there's been no consequences whatsoever for any of these journalists so-called journalists so-called media outlets that have been colluding the entire campaign with hillary clinton which is basically everybody but me and a few others out there yeah it's pretty much me right i'm out there on a branch all on my own the hannity branch by the way i've been out there alone before Look, at the end of this process, I feel I will have done everything I can to warn my country, the country I love, about how dishonest and how corrupt Hillary Clinton is. I will feel at the end of this process that I kept my word to you, my audience, that I would not pick a, a pick any of the 17 that were running for the Republican nomination that I would give them all the airtime they wanted. Some took advantage more than others. That's not my fault. Uh, and I get, let you make the choice yourself. We have scores to settle on November 9th. Scores with the Republican Party, first and foremost. Scores with a media that is abusive to you and corrupt and has betrayed a solemn trust that you should have with them. We've got that we're going to deal with, too, on November 9th. We've got other issues in terms of corruption and everything else. But I'm hoping in the meantime that, you know, to just remind you every day what is at stake here. And, you know, for John Podesta to admit in WikiLeaks that they have a playbook for getting their media friends to rig the polls with oversampling. How can we possibly trust these polls? I'm going to go through exactly what they did so you understand it. Because I know exactly how this poll went from four points Trump down now to 12 points Trump down. There is a reason for it. And I'll explain that and much more when we get back. But what Podesta says, you know, you want to talk about the sampling bias in the latest ABC Washington Post poll, you know, showed a 12 point national advantage for Hillary. I don't believe this poll. This poll to me gets thrown out like many other recent polls. But I will say that I think Trump is down. There are two polls that have him down one and down three in North Carolina. If Donald Trump doesn't win North Carolina, it's over. If Let me be blunt. If he doesn't win Florida, game over. If he doesn't win Ohio, game over. Hillary will be your next president. Okay? I am telling you the truth. He doesn't win Iowa, game over. If he doesn't win all the states, if he doesn't win Texas and Georgia, everyone's talking about Texas and Georgia, it's game over. 
She will be your next president. Does it matter if she wins by one electoral college vote or 300? It doesn't matter. She would then be your president. She will pick Supreme Court uh, uh, vacancies. She will not vet refugees and increase refugees 550%. She won't say radical Islam. She's going to raise taxes $1.2 trillion, raise spending $1.4 trillion. She's going to move towards a single-payer health care system. She's, she's going to put coal mining out of business, coal miners out of work. We're not going to be energy independent. We're not going to build a wall. Education will be NEA, Common Core, top-down. All of that's true. And the swamp will never be drained, and her corruption, she'll be emboldened. Why should she ever be honest? There's no reason for her to be honest. Anyway, there's a lot at stake here. So I'll remind you, and then we'll finish this other business when the time comes, which is November 9th. Win, lose, or draw. We're going to have a fight. It is going to be ugly. And I'm going to keep my powder dry from now until then. But I'm picking a fight with the media. I'm picking a fight with the Republican Party. They created Trump, and I'll explain in toto on November 9th, and then the Republican saboteurs and the never Trumpers and the people that have behind the scenes been helping Hillary. We'll get to all of that. But you got 15 days to go in the meantime. Now, let me go over some of this. Linda, I think, is probably rightly pointing out because the way the media is covering this, I know it is probably in part designed to deflate Trump supporters, but it's also part of the reality of what it would take for Donald Trump to win this election. And if you look at, for example, the way most I'm, I'm looking at the real clear politics average and the different polls, for examples, that are out there. I mean, for Trump to win, he has to get every toss up. He just does. For Trump to win, like, for example, they have in terms of the real clear politics average, they have Alabama. Idaho, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Wyoming, Arkansas, Kentucky, North Dakota, West Virginia. That's solid Trump. That's 49 electoral votes. Not a lot. As a matter of comparison, Hillary's solid states, California's 55. All those states I just mentioned don't even equal California. It's, I mean, it's electorally, it's very, very, you gotta, it's a razor's edge. You've, you've got to thread a needle. And then you add to that New York, that's another 29. And then you add to that Massachusetts, 11, Maryland, 10, Hawaii, 4, D.C., 3, Vermont, 3. All right, not a big deal. Now we go on the likely. These are states that are more likely than not they are going to go Trump. Alaska, Louisiana, Montana, Tennessee, Kansas, Missouri, I'm sorry, Mississippi, South Dakota. All right, and Maine's. Second Congressional District. So that's 49 and likely 41. All right, so now let's look at, you know, Hillary's solid is 115. Locked in California, Hawaii, Massachusetts, Vermont, D.C. That's 115. You're still not even close with your solid and your likelies. I'm giving you truth. I'm giving you reality here, a reality check. And if you're in any of these states, your vote matters. Any of these Republican states. Now, you add likely for Hillary, you got New Jersey 14, Illinois 20, uh, Michigan 16, Rhode Island 4, Washington State 12, 
Uh, Delaware three. That's 70 more. So right off the bat, solid, likely, almost 100 percent reliably Democrat. The only one I might pull out of there and put into lean for the Democrats would be New Jersey. It's a way outside shot. I'm just giving you real numbers here. Anyway, so that is 185. Solid Clinton, solid blue, no matter who's running as a Republican, that's it. Now you've got lean Democrat. Colorado, if Trump could ever get that back in play, it would be phenomenal. All right, that's leaning Democrat now. Nine electoral votes. New, uh, New Mexico, five. That would be huge if Trump could move that. Pennsylvania, 20. That would be a game changer if it moved over to the Republican side. Wisconsin, 10. Virginia, 13. Oregon, 7. New Hampshire, 4. New Hampshire. Trump needs New Hampshire. Just saying, it's leaning Hillary. Okay, so now if you add that all together, that's another 77. So you got 144 and 115. What's that number? That's 262. She's eight electoral votes based on the real clear politics average from getting to 270. Donald Trump, on the other hand, right, his solid and likelies are, what, 80, 90. If you add the leanings, which is Indiana, South Carolina, Missouri, Utah, I don't think you'll lose any of those. That's 36 more. He's still not that close. That's 126. He's still far, far away. Now, for Trump to win, he's got to run the table for the toss-up states. These are states. Now, I think he's going to win Iowa 6. I hope he, I don't think there's going to be a big problem with Georgia. I hope not. If so, with this game, set, match, it's over. If he lost Texas 38, over. Loses North Carolina 15, over. Arizona, he's got to win Arizona 11. Got to win. Now Now it starts getting hard. Now he's got to win Florida 29. Nevada 6. Ohio 18. Minnesota 10. And then he's up to, what's that? How many? 150, 176. He really needs the four electoral votes from New Hampshire because I'm not sure Minnesota, even though there's a poll out today that had it a one or two point race in Minnesota. I'd never heard of the polling company before, so I'm just I'm just telling you. You think it's a good poll? All right, so for Trump to win, if you're looking at the real clear politics average, state by state, the electoral map, he's got to run the table. Anybody that tells you this is easy doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Let me repeat the states that Trump has to win. Alabama, Idaho, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Wyoming, Arkansas, Kentucky, North Dakota, West Virginia. Those should be pretty easy for him. Alaska, Louisiana, Montana, Tennessee, Kansas, Mississippi, South Dakota, the 2nd Congressional District of Maine. He needs all of those. Indiana, South Carolina, Missouri, Utah. He needs all of those. He needs Arizona, Georgia, Texas, North Carolina, Again, the main, the, I'm sorry, it, Nebraska Congressional District number two he needs. 
And now he also needs the main congressional district number two. But he's got to win Florida, Iowa, Nevada, Ohio, North Carolina, Texas, Minnesota. Now, he could get rid of Minnesota, but he's got to move something with four or more into his column. New Mexico, New Hampshire would be the most likely. That's how he has to win. It's, you know, it's not easy. Some of you may say, well, this person could have won all of those. Nice try. Because, you know, if they could take poor old Mitt Romney, who's probably as decent a human being as I ever met. I mean, and I to this day, I'm mad at Mitt Romney for how he's behaved in this election. I really am. And his people have been worse. And the Bush people, you know, that were working for Bush have been worse. But Mitt Romney would have been a really good president, in my opinion. Good man, good values. I think he's a decent person, probably too decent to run for the job. And they turned him into Satan. If you can turn a guy like Mitt Romney into the devil, then you're going to take anybody else and turn them into Satan, too. So, you know, for everybody to say, well, this person would. If it was Rubio, he'd be. You have seen nothing. They would have pulled out every stop. And you could argue, well, Trump helped them. Yeah, he probably did. He's been in politics 18 months. He helped them. Made a lot of mistakes. But he's still in it, which is interesting. Now, some of you probably are sitting there saying, Hannity, you're making us feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to tell you the truth about how this election has to be won. You want to win this election, and you're in New Hampshire, you better get your ass out and vote. You want to win this election, and you're in New Mexico, you better get your ass out and vote. If you're in Arizona, Georgia, Minnesota, if you're in North Carolina, pay a lot of attention there, Texas, uh, Maine Congressional District 2, Ohio, Nevada, Iowa, Florida, get your ass out to vote. Indiana, South Carolina, Missouri, Utah, you better get out to vote. Alaska, I know you come in late, you better get out to vote. Louisiana, Montana, Tennessee, Kansas, Mississippi, South Dakota, Nebraska Congressional District 2, you better go to vote. Alabama, Idaho, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Wyoming, Arkansas, Kentucky, North Dakota, West Virginia, you better go vote. I, right there, I've given you a formula to win. If all those states come in Trump, you win. If all those states, one of those states, you know, like, for example, if he wins New Hampshire but not New Mexico, he can still win. If he wins New Mexico but not New Hampshire, he can still win. The margin of error is next to zero. You need an inside straight if you're any Republican. Um, that's just the reality. Now, I could tell you the national polls, they don't mean crap. I mean, the, those national polls, they're interesting. and But it's not going to get you to the promised land. What I just told you is what you need to know about elections. You know, it was interesting to listen to Bob Woodward this this weekend. Chris Wallace asked him about the allegations of the Clinton Foundation pay to play and the $12 million deal between Hillary, the foundation, the king of Morocco. This is what Bob Woodward said. Allegations about the Clinton Foundation and pay to play, which I asked uh, Secretary Clinton about in the debate, and she turned into an attack on the Trump Foundation. But, Bob, I, I want to go back to the conversation I was having with Robbie Mook before. When, when you see what seems to be clear evidence that 
Clinton Foundation donors were being treated differently than non-donors in terms of access. When you see this new new revelations about the $12 million deal between Hillary Clinton, the foundation, and the king of Morocco, are voters right to be troubled by this? Uh, yes, it's a, it's corrupt. Uh, it's, a, it's a scandal. And she didn't answer your question at all. And she turned uh, to embrace the good work that the Clinton Foundation has done. And she has a case there. But the mixing of speech fees, the Clinton Foundation, and actions by the State Department, which she ran, uh, are all intertwined. And uh, it... Uh, it's corrupt. You know, I mean, you can't just say it's unsavory. That, by the way, is not Sean Hannity. It's not the vast right-wing conspiracy. That is Bob Woodward of the Washington Post. Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah, it is corrupt. He's right. It was an honest answer by him. Trump, I, you know, I've been saying a couple of things throughout this election that I thought would be good ideas. One of them was a contract with America. Trump did that, and I thought probably his best speech of the campaign on Saturday, Gettysburg. And he laid out bills that he would pass in his first hundred days. And one is the Middle Class Tax Relief and Simplification Act designed to grow the economy 4% a year and create 25 million new jobs. And end the Offshoring Act, new tariffs on goods brought to the U.S. by American companies that are hiring outside workers, jobs outside, putting jobs outside so they can bring their cheap, use cheap labor. The American Energy and Infrastructure Act, and that is to create tax incentives and generate $1 trillion in infrastructure investment. School Choice and Education Opportunity Act speaks for itself. Repeal and replace Obamacare with health uh, care savings accounts. The Affordable Children and Elderly Care Act. The End the Illegal Immigration Act. Restoring Community Safety Act. Restoring National Security Act and a clean up Washington drain the swamp act. And that's my words. Although the Trump is talking a lot about it and he makes a contract and he gives a whole preamble to the whole thing and a, you know, a, per, a pervasive corruption threatens the rule of law and our representative form of government, a relentless and steady erosion of the original constitutional principles of self-government is sapping the very liberty-loving spirit of the people necessary to sustain freedom and the Constitution. This is his contract on corruption. Regulation Ex Expiration Act, and we went through all of this. It's really good. I don't have time to go through it all with you now, but um, I liked it a lot. And basically 28 specific things that Trump said he would do on day one, you know, constitutional amendment to impose term limits. I love the idea. It was part of my conservative solution caucus back in 2014 bad idea time has come a hiring freeze except exempting the military public safety and public health stop the growth of government and for every new regulation you got to get rid of two current regulations five-year ban white house congressional officials from being lobbyists lifetime ban on white house officials lobbying on behalf of a foreign government a complete ban of foreign lobbyists raising money for american elections Get out of NAFTA, withdraw from the deal under Article 2205, withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, direct Secretary of the Treasury to lay China a, a currency manipulator, direct the Secretary of Commerce and Trade to identify all foreign trading abuses and unfair impact on American workers, 
lift the restrictions on the production of $50 trillion worth of job-producing energy reserves, including shale, oil, natural gas, and clean coal, lift the Obama-Clinton roadblocks and allow vital energy infrastructure projects like Keystone, cancel billions in payments to the U.N. climate change programs, use that money to fix America's water and, and environmental infrastructure, cancel every unconstitutional executive action of Obama, begin the process of selecting a replacement for Scalia, cancel all federal funding to sanctuary cities, get rid of all criminal aliens, suspend immigration from terror-prone regions, extreme vetting, work with uh, Congress on a middle-class tax relief to increase uh, growth 4% a year, uh, work with Congress to end offshore act establishing tariffs, discouraging companies to fire American workers and hire cheap labor, I mean, it just goes on for there. Repeal and replace Obamacare, all the other things I said. Really good stuff. That's your choice this election. You know, look, my, my conscience is going to be clean 15 days from now if this country's stupid and elects her like I warned you about Obama. You've got a choice to make. 15 days. There's time. There is time. I gave you the states that are important. I told you the truth. And I do believe the polls. So I'm not lying to you. I'm not misleading you in any way. It's not looking great. In the end, it was the candidate, Hillary Clinton, the, new, the, the future president of the United States, who wanted ducks on the ground. So by God, we will give ducks on the ground. Wow. Don't, don't read that thing. Okay. Uh, the good news is the candidate would like to have a mascot following around the duck. I mean, following around. The candidate, Trump. But the bad news is she wants it to be Donald Duck. This, this thing is resonating, but that story is not exactly what you want to hear about how presidential decision-making happens. So my answer to Christina was, if the future president of the United States want ducks on the ground, we will put ducks on the ground. The duck has to be uh, an American United Change entity. This had to do only with uh, some problem between Donna Brazil and ABC, which is owned by Disney, because they were worried about our trademark issue. That's why. Oh, okay. It's really silly. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. New York. New York didn't care about anything. Okay. So it's just like a trademark issue with... This it. Yeah. We we originally launched this duck because Hillary Clinton wants to duck. Ducks at some of his rallies, right? Sure. At the rally. Yeah. So are you... I think I think this duck is gonna get swept up somewhere. Somewhere. Well I'm sure somewhere someone's gonna rip his it rip his costume off. It's yeah. It may happen at the Iowa State Fair this week. Yeah. Because Pence is there and the duck is planning to follow him around. Well, it's about intense. Not not the not the duck itself. No. Okay. Because that's all, the only it's per- reaction to the duck call I and see. the signs. Okay. Because once they pull out these signs, Trump supporters literally start throwing punches at what is I almost got punched on for on Monday morning. I mean, yeah. I was in a duck costume. <laughs> we launched the duck because Hillary Rodham Clinton wants the duck. And that from this guy, Kramer, the same guy that met with and went to the Obama White House 342 times. The same people on tape saying they are fomenting violence at Donald Trump events and scheming and plotting and planning a massive voter fraud scheme for this election cycle 
Now, this, of course, is now part three of the undercover project now over a year. Well, actually, two years, I think, in the making by Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, who is uh, here to discuss this third release in this line of videos. You know, it's kind of like a, a, I feel like I'm watching Netflix, you know, and it's like I get a new edition every other day or every other week. <laughs> it's kind of like House of Cards, Sean. And by the way, before we proceed, I just want to say thank you, Sean, because if it wasn't for you, and I'm not just saying this, if it wasn't for you, this story, this true story would not get out. You you made the phone call to Scott Fogel at Americans United for Change. You, you, you purported that he lost his job. So I just wanted to say thank you for everything you Well, to done. be honest, you're really kind of say that, but you did all the hard work, and I'm just glad to be able to try and get my audience to see exactly how ruthless and unethical and dishonest these people are. I mean, you know, this whole campaign, we've been hearing Donald Trump, Donald Trump, violence at Donald Trump campaign events, and you were able to capture on tape a well-funded, orchestrated effort, money coming from Hillary's campaign and the DNC, funneled to these people to go out there and foment a false impression, manipulate the minds of the American people about about violence at Trump events. They're orchestrating it all and how they're also involved in this, you know, up to their eyeballs in a voter fraud effort and how Hillary Clinton is making decisions in conjunction with these people. Well, this is this this video really is a nuclear uh, uh, bomb because this video proves that Hillary was personally involved and ordered the illegal coordination. Um, this is incredible. You heard the video. You heard the sound just a moment ago. That it was. This is Kramer, Bob Kramer, who's now left the DNC, has been forced out. This is no. Bob Kramer is no low-level guy. This is the beating heart of the institutional left that has been forced out. He used to go to the White House. He met, he met in the Oval Office 47 times with Obama. He says, quote, it was Hillary Clinton herself who wanted ducks on the ground. Don't tell anybody. And if you watch this 15-minute video that we just released, you'll see everything. You'll see the communications director for Hillary saying, quote, Hillary would like to have the following mascot. You'll see Scott Fovel, the Americans United for Change, the nonprofit. You'll see him say, we had to clear this with the DNC. You will see the whole story about the illegal money that flowed and how it was all Hillary's idea. Unbelievable. Now, tell us a little bit more about the players, how you got to this point, how Hillary now is implicated in all this. I want to know what did she know and when did she know it? I want to know what did she know about the flow of money and when did she know it? Well, Sean, in this video, you have a couple different players. First of all, you have Bob Kramer. Bob Kramer is the man who is the partner of Democracy Partners. He was a community organizer in Chicago. He's been the big story here. He's been the White House log showing him going to the White House 340 times. He's shown to have been in the Oval Office and maybe meeting with the president as many over 40 times. Then you have an organization called Americans United for Change. It's a non-for-profit organization headed by this guy named Woodhouse, who's featured in the video. Brad and Woodhouse is his name. Brad Woodhouse, yes. And then you have Scott Fogel, who's also been fired from Americans United for Change. And what Scott Fogel says, and I'm going to quote this, this bit here, is he says, so the operation is to insert the duck and clear it with the Democratic National Committee. We have to clear which message we're going to be targeting at which event. And Scott explains that the idea is to induce violence, to induce a reaction. Then you have Christina Reynolds, who is the communications director for Hillary Up for America, that's the campaign, saying, I have good news and bad news. The good news is Hillary would like to have the following mascot. 
And then you have, and this is a story about the campaign violating campaign coordination law. After Watergate, Congress passed the campaign coordination law, and there are three prongs. There's the payment aspect, the conduct aspect, and the content. So what you have here is a dark money conspiracy, a payment by a non-for-profit, a conduct, the campaign being involved in it, the Hillary campaign, and the content, that's election advocacy, and Hillary was responsible for all of it. This is a smoking gun. Some people have actually said this makes Watergate look like petty shoplifting. This is from the White House to conduct these um, agitprop movements to induce violent reactions, and it's all on video. And it's going to be really remarkable to see what Hillary has said, Sean, because she's been asked twice about it, once in the debate by Donald Trump and also on the airplane, and she has avoided talking about it entirely. Unbelievable, but nobody in the media, now we know that the media is complicit from the WikiLeaks dump. They're totally complicit without any consequences whatsoever for them in terms of their behavior. Sean, the media is implicated in this because the whole point of this whole operation here that we've exposed is to get the media to report on the violence. Well, now we've we've shown in the videos that they're trying to manufacture something in the media. So the media is complicit. And you know, when I was at the debate and I saw you there on the um, the red carpet when we were we were standing there, what was remarkable about the media is that nobody wanted to look me in the eye. I was you know I was there. Nobody wanted to look me in the eye because I looked you all, in the eye. I talked you to you. Did you did you did. But most people did not want to look at me because this whole story and my existence, uh, it, it implicates them. They're caught here, red-handed, working with the DNC, working with all these players. So Hillary's narrative and the mainstream media's narrative is a total and complete lie. And she cannot deny this because all of her people... What are they going to do, fire all these people? This is the heart and soul of the Democratic Party. This is our communications director, Scott Fovel, uh, Bob Kramer, and Brad Woodhouse. These are the, this is the institutional heart of, of, of what she represents. So it's going to be very fascinating to see what she does. You guys got to keep putting pressure on her. Well, I'm trying. I'm doing my very best. And I, I frankly think it is a conspiracy not to put these tapes on. I mean, the idea that the media, what other media outlets have actually played the tapes that we're talking about? Well, uh, what other media have played the tape? Actually, to be honest with you, this has now broken through, Sean. It's been on the New York Times. George Stephanopoulos, actually, on ABC News, played the video. To his credit, he, and everyone who's seeing this video just attacks me and calls me a criminal and denies it. Uh, Megyn Kelly was, uh, you know, after the debate night, was playing the video to Donna Brazil. Donna Brazil is implicated in this video as well. Donna Brazil was was responsible for uh, working on this duck agitprop stuff, and the DNC said they were no longer associated with doing it. But behind the scenes, Donna Brazil and Hillary Clinton were still running the show, breaking campaign coordination laws. So, judge the evidence. Not is there going to be any? criminal investigation to all of this for example they talked about donald trump's stolen tax returns everywhere and and all of that but you know we got evidence of so many dead people registering to vote well is there going to be a criminal investigation there's probably going to be a criminal investigation to me we live sean as you as you all as you well aware we live in a sort of banana republic especially with the state attorney generals going after people they don't personally like or they don't agree with what they're saying or doing but the good news is here's the the the, the good news the good news is I'm seeing social media now, I've said this to you when I saw you there at the debate, is 
probably more powerful than the mainstream media because I can, there are no words to describe how this story is lighting up the internet. It was the number one most watched video in like the world last week. It's trending on Facebook, trending on Twitter, and people are flooding the inboxes of these attorney generals saying, what, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you prosecuting this? Donald Trump said on Saturday that he wants this prosecuted. He said he was going to launch litigation. Ted Cruz has subpoenas. Jeff Sessions announced a lawsuit. Do I think that people are going to be held to account? I do not. I don't have any faith in the law enforcement agencies of this country anymore. I, the only faith I have is in the, the, the people, uh, putting pressure on, on the media, putting pressure on, on institutions to report on this and to cover it. And to that, we're very successful. I think this video today launched an hour ago. I think this is a game changer. I think Hillary will be forced to address it. She cannot deny it. If they fire anybody else, it's just going to look bad on her. I'm very interested to see if they do. Um, but I've got to be honest. We're 15 days out of the election, and I think their only goal now is to just let this skate. The media is going to help them. The media is going to insist, and the media is going to do what they do all the time. You know, look, you say, you know, just look at all of the stuff that you've released here. You've got a plot and a scheme to foment violence. You've got a plot and a scheme to increase massive voter fraud to help her in this election. You've got a plot and a scheme now to to infiltrate Trump events. And you have direct a direct statement that implicates Hillary in this. And the fact that she's not, and the fact that she's not even asked, I think tells you everything you need to know. Sean, I'll tell you, the one thing your audience can do is, this is, I'm telling you right now, this video, is, our, our attorneys have said it, other attorneys have said it, this, this third video that just came out, there is solid evidence of campaign law violations. Like, serious. This is the Watergate, Congress passed the campaign coordination law. This is a smoking gun. WikiLeaks is just text, and I understand that's important. This is video. People making statements. They're caught on tape. They've resigned. The FEC, the Federal Elections Commission, can and has the power to investigate and press criminal charges. So what we're going to have to do as a country is we're going to have to put pressure on the FEC, put this in front of their faces and say, what are you going to do about this? All right, let me ask you about this. You actually tweeted out, anything happens to me, there's a dead man switch on part three that will be released today uh, at Hillary Clinton and at Donna Brazil implicated. Now, do you really think that your life's in jeopardy over this? I don't worry. I don't think about this as much as I, as much as people, other people do, I've been inundated with like a million messages from people, and that's not an exaggeration. A million tweets, emails, Facebook, like, are do you fear for your life? So I put out a statement saying, look, if you believe that the government has the power to kill people, they don't like their journalism, then. I guess I am afraid for my life in that respect, but I don't think about it, but I wanted to let people know that if anything happens to me, if there's some rare case where where I disappear or something happens to me, the videos are still going to come out. I wanted people to know that because that was... How much more is coming? What else can we expect? Well, I'll tell you what, Sean. Let's see what Hillary says. She's dodged it twice now. I want to see... I know that, for example, Brett Baer tweeted that he's going to be doing a big special report on this tonight on Fox, and and James Rosen is, is asking the White House question. Let's see what they say, and if they lie and obfuscate and deflect, we're going to put out another piece this week. I don't want to show my cards, but it's going to be either tomorrow or Wednesday. Wow. And what else do you have? Who else is implicated? And as you had mentioned, Media Matters, when will that come out? (laughs) 
we, Media Matters is implicated. The, the, the David Brock and the president of Media Matters were, they didn't meet with our undercover people. Sean, we were invited to the White House. Our undercover reporter was in, actually invited to the White House, and we have some evidence there. We're, we're talking to our attorneys about it. Um, we didn't break any laws at any point during this investigation, but we want to make sure that when we put this stuff out, we're, we're doing the right thing. So uh, we're, we have another video coming. We have to watch the reaction. We have to account for that. And then we're going to break the next story. So there's only one more video or multiple more videos? There's multiple more videos. How many? Will there um, be how many between now and Election Day? Because that's when it matters. It's, it's, it's hard for me to say because these are, these are, we're combining a lot of material into these videos. But there's going to be at least a couple more. All right. Uh, James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, thank you so much. We appreciate you, you being with us. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. It is an absolute disgrace that your media decides what you get to see and what you don't get to see what they ask, what they don't ask. I mean, if WikiLeaks hasn't proven how in the tank they are for Hillary, I don't know what will. Anyway, two weeks from tomorrow, America goes to vote. Which way are you going to vote? All right, let's get to our phones as promised. And at the top of the hour, uh, Peter Schweitzer will join us. And then we'll take a real deep look at the economy also in our final hour today. Uh, let us say hi to Sherry is in Indianapolis. Sherry, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. Keep up the good work. I just want to know, life, this is terrifying. Life as we know it is going to be completely different if Trump loses. What do we do? What do we do if, if she wins? I, I don't think she will. I hope she doesn't. But what do we do? How do we? Listen, do we I, I would say. What we know. I would say, looking at the polls, Trump is behind. Now, is there a possibility of a Brexit effect? Sure. Is there a possibility of a you know, a number of or percentage of people that aren't admitting they're going to go Trump. Sure. Am I counting on that? Nope. I like to be straight up with my audience. You know, for all the talk about me not supporting polls, they're absolutely wrong. I do support polls. I do believe in polling. I do believe in research. I've read research about myself all the years I've been on radio and TV. Uh, and most times I find the audience is right. And I listen to what they tell me. So, it, it, look, there's a lot of unfinished business that I can't get into now. We have a media informational crisis unlike any that we ever really knew. The media collusion with Clinton is a huge, major story. The issue of corruption is not going away if, God forbid, Hillary were to win. That's not going anywhere. And probably the biggest piece of unfinished business for me is going to be with the Republican Party that created Donald yeah. Trump and that sabotaged Donald Trump. So, they sure did. But, but my focus right now for the next 15 days is, is trying to keep people up to date, informed, in the hopes that Trump pulls this off. Now, I would say he's got the media establishment obviously against him, Republicans against him, the Republican establishment, the globalist establishment, the Democratic establishment. So, you know, the guy's fighting a million fights at once. And, you know, it, it was funny. Somebody said to me this weekend, I forget who it was. You know, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll concede that Donald Trump is a little crass at times. If you concede that Hillary Clinton is corrupt and a thief. And I'm like, OK, that's a fair analysis. So anyway, um, look, my focus and I think where your focus should be for the next 15 days. Assume you are behind because I believe we are. He's behind by one point and three points and two North Carolina polls out today. He has to win North Carolina or it's game over. He's got to win Florida or it's game over. He's got to win Ohio or it's game over. And then he's got to win Iowa. And then he's got to win New Mexico, hopefully Arizona he's got to win. He's, he's, 
you know, it's very close there. Nevada's got to win. It's very close. It's just really, really hard for any Republican to win. Now, some people will say, well, Hannity, you should have endorsed. Well, I didn't. That wasn't my plan to endorse. My plan, my promise back in March of 2015 was to give you access. I'm not even a registered Republican. I couldn't even vote in the primary. So and then in 2016 to continue to give access. There's a reason why Trump was chosen and people seem to be forgetting it. And the people that I'm most angry at right now, if you want to know, I'm angry at these hypocrites in the press and I'm angry at Republicans. I expect Democrats to be up to their same dirty tricks. You know, I'm I'm not shocked or surprised in any way that WikiLeaks shows us that the Clinton ad featuring Machado was planned for months and months in advance. I'm not surprised at the media collusion either. And now they're talking about, there's an article out today about, oh, well, let's go after talk radio. Trump critics call for a crackdown on conservative media. And I'll mention specifically in this article. Oh, I guess we're going to just silence people that are honest. And those that are dishonest and phony and fraudulent and fake and pretend to be something they're not, which is fair and balanced and objective, We'll let them keep their jobs, but we'll run Hannity out of business. We'll attack their advertisers. Even fellow talk show hosts are supporting this, and they make their living with free speech. So we're going to have on November 9th, win, lose, or draw, I promise you, I'm laying down a marker, and there's going to be a fight, and I'm starting a fight. I know people are talking about, let's all come together. Uh, No, thank you. I have no desire to come together with people that uh, that are trying to assist either overtly or covertly Hillary Clinton. And they will own every bad thing, dumb thing she does, and it's going to be, that list is going to be long. All right, back to our phones. Uh, Let us say hi to Tracy. Tracy, I don't know where you're calling from. Texas, how are you, uh, Tracy? What's going on? It says Tracy from Tracy. (laughs) Hey, Sean, I have two very important questions, and then I'm going to make a statement. The first question is this. When it comes to the WikiLeaks uh, dropping the emails. I'm not going to even argue or dispute the validity of the content, but I want, what I want to ask you specifically, is, and it's in line with what Marco Rubio said, is one, this is the first question, don't you feel that the WikiLeaks, even if it's via, if it's Russia via WikiLeaks, if Russia or anybody, WikiLeaks, isn't that an attack on our nation? Because some of that information, which could very much be very well true, could still be disseminated with false information. And that's a bad thing. And the second question is this. Don't you think that out of all this, you're right, the media does seem to be leaning towards Hillary, and I am, you know, I'm for Hillary, and I can say, even I can detect some bias, but my question to you is, you don't feel that 75 to 80% of what's happening with Donald Trump is Donald Trump, especially, like uh, like Fatnet Live said, they've been using his own words against him. And finally, this is not a question. Look, Donald Trump is not, he's not a professional politician. Donald Trump's made his own fair share of mistakes. Donald Trump probably could have listened a lot more to other people. Um, But on the other hand, I mean, you can look at it in reverse and say what he's accomplished in 18 months is beyond significant. And I think that the environment created for Trump was created by the Republican Party, not by the Democratic Party. I mean, they had some very good people running here. Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and Rand Paul. I like those guys. You know, Rick Perry. Well, what about the attack from WikiLeaks? And you did endorse Trump. Well, what about WikiLeaks? WikiLeaks shows just how dishonest and corrupt Hillary is. 
But I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. What's that? You don't feel it's an assault on our nation. That's an, the you thing. mean the and, fact and that it, the fact that she's been exposed. Well, I didn't see no, everybody no, all up no. in arms when Donald Trump's taxes were illegally released. I, I saw. I, I saw. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I saw the Clinton campaign talking about it and Hillary pounding it at the debate. So let's let's get away from the holier than now. Well, this shouldn't have been released. Nonsense. You know, I, look, I'm telling you right now, this country better get a grip that we have no cybersecurity. And you know what? You can thank Julian Assange for that because he exposed just how pathetic our cybersecurity, if you even want to call it, that is. And number two, he exposed just how deeply corrupt. Why don't you deal with the corruption issue? And yes, our government needs to fix cybersecurity. Absolutely. If we continue to allow this to happen, then we are we have learned nothing. So, but it's the corruption you don't want to seem to pay attention to because you don't like where the information came from. I actually no, like I actually like knowing that Hillary is is as deeply corrupt and our media is worse than I even thought. I'm glad that I know it. I've been in this business in radio 30 years, TV I'm in my 21st year, and I've always known instinctively that the media is abusively biased. And I said they were dead in 2008. Now they're dead buried and gone they mean nothing you to me endorse trump you did endorse trump who did you did you yeah did i did i did I, I, I did what i said i was going to do i said i would support the republican nominee and i'm supporting him enthusiastically yes i am but the difference yeah, but between me but i'm not a journalist i'm a talk show host i have an opinion right. i don't hide my opinion i tell you straight up where i am so i don't know what you're talking about beyond that uh, Sandy is, uh, in California. Sandy, how are you? Glad you called. Good. Um, the reason so many of us fell in love with Donald Trump is we finally had a leader that recognized there was a problem on the border. And he's grown into this leadership position, uh, by taking positions on the issues that always put Americans first. And that's why I think so many people should vote for him. And then Saturday, he gives a wonderful speech where he outlines a contract with America. I, I hope that he continues to include that as part of his rallies. Um, I don't know if he will, but much of what he's saying, he's been telling us all along. He's doing what's right for America, and the Democrats are simply the party of dirty tricks and dirty deeds. To me, it's almost like the media and the Democrat politicians have entered a sewer where everything they do is corrupt, a lie, and then they laugh at Americans about lies. You know, hey, Gruber says, we counted on the stupidity of the Americans to pass Obamacare. Um, Harry Reid, he, he lies about Romney, and then he laughs about it afterwards. Uh, <laughs> And they just go Listen, on you know, th- th- on this is on. another thing that I'm hearing. I- I'm hearing, well, you know, if maybe one of the other guys, they're not as controversial as Trump, they'd be up by 10 people. T- I'm like, no, they wouldn't. They took a good man like Romney. I don't know what happened to him in this election. Romney is a good guy. Romney was a-, a Boy Scout, for God's sakes. And they turned him into Satan. It doesn't matter whether it's real or imagined. They're going to say it anyway. Donald Trump just helped him out a little bit more. But, you know, after 30 years of her being a public servant and now having $250 million in her account, the, the American people need to wake up to the fact 
that they are just a party of corruption and dirty deeds. And we need to throw them out, and we need to elect Donald Trump. And I'm sorry that the, uh, uh, the never-Trumpers are so foolish, but I think they entered the sewer, too. It's either that or they're a special kind of stupid, and that includes Beck. There's just something wrong with you if you can say that I'm morally superior to someone, but I'll vote for this lady who's lied in every issue. To me, she committed a crime by deleting evidence that was subpoenaed by Congress. Why Congress thinks she would be good, they got to be totally out of their minds. So people go out and vote for Trump. He's the right guy for this time. Well, I hope they do. I hope they do too. I hope every day. I got to tell you, I was so day. I was so impressed with him on Saturday, and you know, to me, I'm a little frustrated because I've been saying for a long time that the Republicans need to nationalize the election and run on ideas and make promises and put them down on paper. Uh, that's going to be part of the aftermath, also. I don't care what the Republicans do anymore. I'm laying out the agenda that I think is going to be good for the country, and I don't give a rip who supports it. If you support my agenda, I'll support you. If you support 80% of my agenda, I'll support you. If you don't, then maybe some things are are just, I don't know, maybe there's a line in the sand. Maybe there's certain issues. You have to say radical Islam. If you don't say radical Islam, I can never vote for you. If you don't vet refugees, I can't vote for you. If you're not supporting a border wall, I can't vote for you. Those are basic, fundamental things for me. We could disagree on other issues, but we'll see. All right, let's get uh, Josh in Indianapolis has an interesting question. What's up, Josh? How are you? Glad you called, sir. Hi, Sean. Earlier you uh, you were talking about Senator Rand Paul, and actually my question kind of comes from what Rand Paul said earlier last year. He said that the Republican Party has grown moss-covered and stale, and I have to agree with that because I'm I'm 33, and I know a lot of other friends of mine who are we're all in our you know 30s somethings. And we're kind of like people without a party because we're social progressives. We believe in gay rights, you know, all that stuff. But we're also fiscally conservative. A lot of us are also pro-gun ownership. Well, but the only thing I would say, I don't think most, I'm a conservative, and I think most conservatives, you know, they might have private thoughts. Like, for example, I don't support gay marriage, but you're not going to hear a more passionate voice than mine about the absolute atrocious treatment of gays and lesbians under Sharia law. Now, you could be mad at me because I don't want to change the definition of marriage, but Hillary Clinton has taken money from countries that throw gays and lesbians off the roof and, as a matter of course, kill them just for being gay and lesbian. But I think most Americans, maybe, I don't know what your experience has been, but I think most Americans are probably like me. And to be perfectly honest, Josh, I really, I've got more better things to worry about than whatever you're doing in your bedroom, dude. I don't care. You know, I think people don't care. I think it's it just nobody really gives a rip. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I just, in my lifetime, I would like to see a Republican Party that I can be proud of again. because Yeah, but I think it's honestly, become more libertarian in that way. I mean, I... I don't want to talk about any of this stuff. It's nobody's business. I mean, do you, do you want to know about my uh, my marriage? Do you want to know about it? No. I'm, no, seriously, you don't care, do you? Right, no. We're all kind of self-consumed in that way. You know, we're all a little self-absorbed. And really, do you think I want to know what other people are doing? I, I've got, we all got bigger fish to fry here. 
There are more important issues. Now, look, I don't want anybody discriminating. I don't want anyone treating you horribly or or anybody in your life. I think you ought to be able to go visit whoever you want in a in a hospital. I think it's wrong not to. Um, I think that, you know, I just don't want to change the definition of marriage. That's all. It's really that simple. But I think in terms of inheritance and all that stuff, I don't have a problem whatsoever. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. So there's like a Morse code between the DNC and the Super PACs. It's, and you guys have a Morse code, then there's a, a, text, a text conversation that never happened. The thing that we have to watch is making sure there's a double blind between the actual campaign and the actual DNC and what we're doing. There's a double blind there. So that they can plausibly deny that they didn't hear anything about it. The candidate would like to have a mascot following around the duck. But the bad news is she wants it to be Donald Duck. But that story is not exactly what you want to hear about how presidential decision-making happens. We have a call with the campaign every day to go over the focuses that need to be undertaken. In the end, it was the candidate, Hillary Clinton, the, new, the future president of the United States, who wanted ducks on the ground. So by God, we will give ducks on the ground. Wow. Don't repeat that thing. We were contracted directly with the DNC and the campaign. Both. Yeah. I am, I'm contracted to him, mm-hmm. but my, I answer to the head of special events for the DNC mm-hmm. and the head of the special events and political for the campaign. The campaign pays DNC. DNC pays democracy partners. Democracy partners pays the Fogel Group. The Fogel Group goes and executes. When you see what seems to be clear evidence that Clinton Foundation donors were being treated differently than non-donors in terms of access, when you see this new new revelations about the $12 million deal between Hillary Clinton, the foundation, and the King of Morocco, are voters right to be troubled by this? Uh, yes, it's a, it's corrupt. Uh, it's, a, it's a scandal. I am happy. In fact, I am thrilled to talk about the Clinton Foundation because it is a world-renowned charity, and I am so proud of the work that it does. We um, at the Clinton Foundation spend 90%, 90% of all the money that uh, is donated on behalf of programs of people around the world and in our own country. Actually, it's more like 6%. And of course, that was more of the Project Veritas tapes. News Roundup Information Overload Hour here on the Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. Peter Schweitzer is with us, author of the New York Times bestseller, Clinton Cash, the untold story of how and why foreign governments and businesses help make Bill and Hillary rich. He's also the president of the Government Accountability Institute. And uh, we have a lot of new reports we're going to get to today. But uh, what percent of the Clinton Foundation money actually does go to charity? Well, they give about 6%, as you said, to outside charities. Um, And then they claim that they have some internal programs. But the problem is, Sean, nobody knows what that money goes for. And, And here's the interesting thing. One of the things that has come out from the Podesta emails was this internal review that was done of the Clinton Foundation at at Chelsea Clinton's bequest. And Chelsea Clinton, by by the way, give her credit. She pointed out how unethical it was. And then she even questioned whether or not they'd lose they lose their tax exempt status for crying out loud. Absolutely, Sean. And and, uh, so she brought in Simpson Thatcher, which is a a big, uh, large, well-known law firm in New York to review the internal operations of the foundation. When they asked Clinton Foundation employees to chart the effectiveness uh, on a scale from one to 
can of how effective the Clinton Foundation was. The highest the Clinton Foundation employees gave it themselves was a four. Some of them actually gave it a one. So even within the Clinton Foundation, there's wide recognition that this is not a charitable organization that is very, very effective at all. Hillary can sort of throw out those numbers and they can talk about the great things they do. Within the Clinton Foundation itself, uh, they do not give themselves very good marks for effectiveness. Well, 6% of the money going to charity is hardly effective and they have all their friends on the payroll. What do you make of this $12 million Moroccan deal, especially considering that her State Department had them on a list of, well, not so nice countries? Yeah, I mean, it's hugely troubling because the email makes it very clear that uh, Hillary wanted to have this CGI meeting in Morocco, the Kingdom of Morocco. The Moroccans said, yes, that's fine, but she needs to be here. And think about this. She had announced as a president, and so they're thinking, we may have a future president of the United States visiting us. Uh, It was based on the $12 million itself specifically. And again, Sean, if you go to this internal review that was done of the Clinton Foundations, one of the other findings, and this is quoting from the report, was that donors had, quote, quid pro quo expectations for their donations, end quote. That was, that's the words of Simpson Thatcher's review of the Clinton Foundation. So the Moroccan example, the multiple other ones we know fit the pattern, and the Clinton Foundation itself it, it knew that there was a quid pro quo at play in these kinds of financial dealings. What about some of the other things that we've discovered about their shady dealings and money-making schemes? Well, there's lots of them. I mean, one of the things that we have been working on in the Wall Street Journal, James Freeman reported on uh, today, uh, is uh, John Podesta. You know, John Podesta has been talking about this this Russian, uh, I guess, conspiracy to to uh, elect Donald Trump, and and certainly we believe in you know transparency, both sides, etc. But here's the problem: uh, as we outlined in a report in 2010, John Podesta, sorry, in 2011, John Podesta joined the board of a small energy company that four months later got a billion rubles, $45 million, from the Russian government, specifically a government fund called Rus Nano that the Russian science minister calls Putin's child. Now, when, when John Podesta goes to work as, in Obama's White House in 2014, he lists on his financial disclosures that he is divested from that company. What has come out in the Podesta emails, Sean, is that actually he set up an LLC and put he his daughter in charge. shares in that company to an LLC controlled by his daughter uh, and continued to maintain his relationship. So he, in effect, tried to hide and is trying to hide the fact that he is, in effect, business partners with the Russian government in this entity called Jewel Energy. Unbelievable. So isn't that basically his money and wink, wink, nod, nod, the daughter's going to give him the money back and he still has an interest in, just like the Clintons were selling access, 55% of the people she met as Secretary of State were all people that had donated or committed money. Isn't it the same game he's playing that she played? Absolutely, Sean. And in fact, he transfers the shares to this LLC, but as James Freeman points out in his report, he continues to pay the legal bills uh, that Jewel sends. His daughter doesn't pay them. He pays them. And there are numerous emails where he is being consulted on new board members coming on board at Jewel and other things. So it's really just a charade the movement of these shares to this LLC. 
he is effectively still the shareholder, and there are numerous emails in the Podesta emails that confirm that. One of the things that I think that has come out here that, you know, we're not really going to have a time to digest all of this before the campaign, but how complicit the media has been and their collusion with Hillary and her campaign. But, you know, for example, there's a story out today that no consequences for any of the media peers for reporters caught colluding with Hillary. Well, that would be NBC and CBS and ABC and the New York Times and Politico and the Boston Globe and CNN and MSNBC. How did they get away with that? And through the prism of going back when you came out with Clinton Cash, a blockbuster book and and all of this evidence, a lot of which has been corroborated since the time you wrote it, did the media treat you fairly at the time? How did they treat you? The same people we now know were colluding with Clinton. Well, it's a great question, Sean. I mean, some of the uh, media obviously treated me very fairly, and sometimes they were tough. I mean, I did Chris Wallace, Fox News Sunday, and he was fair, but he was tough. But what the emails show is that there were people like George Stephanopoulos and others who were collaborating with the Clintons uh, in an effort to sort of discredit the book. Uh, there, are, there are dozens of emails that, that relate to the book and their strategy to sort of undermine it. Uh, my personal, uh, Sean, is that several aides had a conversation uh, with Hillary about Clinton Cash, about the book, and according to the email, quote, the conversation did not go well, uh, end quote. So yeah. I, I guess I take a little bit of, uh, you know, well, there was one of the WikiLeaks, you know, if you look at the latest ones, it showed that Podesta suggested going postal on the press. Yeah. And that was over the expression of concern over the content of Clinton's Wall Street speeches. Yeah. Now, this is what emerges, is you have basically your lapdogs. And these are uh, members of the press uh, that correspond with them, that are looking for access, they're looking for favors from the Clinton team, and in return, they will carry water for the Clintons and their message. Uh, and then there are some reporters that deal sort of very professionally and very directly with them. But you're quite right, and there have been no consequences for this. I mean, think about this for a second. You had this, you know, really, you know, ugly uh, uh, video with, uh, with uh, you know, Donald Trump and Billy Bush. Billy Bush got fired by NBC. You do not see that happening to anybody else that's mentioned in these emails who are, frankly, a pen pals with John Podesta. They're offering, offering advice. Uh, they're sort of crowing about what a great job they did at getting Trump. These people are at NBC. They certainly have done much more, I would argue, to undermine the journalism profession than Billy Bush did in that ugly video. Uh, but they're not going anywhere. Uh, and I think part of it is, Sean, that this is so deep and so profound that if they start firing people for this, it's basically an admission by the brass of these media organizations uh, that, yes, collusion and collaboration is taking place, and they just refuse to admit it. Well, i got to tell you, I think that's the big story. I, I, look, I said back in 08 that journalism was dead. Now we have all the backup. One of the things that I think is so interesting, because you have been following the money, and I think when you follow the money, you get a bigger story, but you go back to WikiLeaks, and you know you have a January 23rd this year email from Mandy uh, Grunwald, uh, who's part of their team, and concerned over the content of Clinton and her Wall Street speeches. This is where you got Podesta saying he's going to go postal on the press over the issue of speeches, and she's saying, oh, it's pretty bad. You know, she's critical to some extent as as to what happened to the crash, but the more memorable stuff is totally accommodationist. She wrote, 
to the entire campaign. Now, the Goldman Sachs CEO says, of, of course, we engage with Hillary. Well, now we know that the head of Goldman Sachs is voting for Hillary. And why shouldn't they? Because they know they've got a pal in Hillary, because behind closed doors, we've now discovered only a small piece of what those speeches were telling, which is she's totally in their pocket. She's bought and paid for, just like the Saudis bought and paid for her. Every, basically, I've never seen people that have enriched themselves and lie as much as these people do. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, Sean. I mean, look, we, we all, unfortunately, have gotten used to, you know, politicians who, who kind of tell us one thing and then maybe do something else. In, in the case of the Clintons, what really comes out to me in these emails is how much they try to massage every statement and how they try to have, you know, it both ways or sometimes even three or four ways on any given issue. Uh, and, and the real question is, is that, you know, what kind of leadership is that? Um, you know, you can, you can have debates over policy, but it, what's the point of having a debate over policy if what the person is telling you is not really what they're going to do and they don't believe it. So, you know, to me, this goes kind of to the heart of the issue and the frustration that people have with American politics. Number one, 75% of the American people in a recent survey said they believe there's widespread corruption in Washington, D.C. And number two, by even a higher margin, people say we don't believe what our political leaders are telling us. Those two things together, to, in my mind, create a national crisis in leadership and should be of a very oh, real concern about the integrity of our system. Listen, everyone's on my case because I've interviewed Julian Assange twice, and I had been very critical when this story yeah. first broke 10 years ago. But I now, number one, people haven't died because he doesn't release information that would allow people to get killed. That's interesting. He made that conscious decision, he told me. Number two, he's never been wrong in 10 years. Number three, he has done us a favor by showing us that we have no cybersecurity. And number four, you know, he... He literally is out there pointing out just how corrupt our government is. And in that sense, he's provided us a public service. Let me give you one example. There is, uh, this is part of the new batch of WikiLeaks, but, you know, there was a Center for American Progress, this Neera uh, Tandon, who's the president and CEO of this, in an email to Jake Sullivan, the director of communications, Jennifer Palmieri, and Podesta, about the possibility of pressuring Justice Roberts on the court's second major Obamacare decision. And it says, it's most likely that this decision has already been made by the court, but on the off chance that history is repeating it, itself, then it's possible that they are still deciding. Last time, it seems like Roberts went from striking the mandate to supporting it just weeks before. And as Jennifer will remember, it was pretty critical that the president threw down the gauntlet the last time on the court, warning them in the first case that it would politicize the role of the court for them to rule against the ACA. And as a close reader of the case, I honestly believe that's vital scaring Roberts off. It almost sounds like they feel like they can pressure the Supreme Court justices and feel they've been successful at it. Yeah, you know, Sean, I think on, on this whole issue of WikiLeaks, there are two separate issues. First, there is the legal issue, okay? Hacking is a crime. Law enforcement needs to deal with that. And I think we would all agree with that. But there's a second component here, which is journalism. Journalism is not law enforcement. And if you look through the history of American journalism, whether it's the previous leaks by WikiLeaks uh, related to the Iraq War, American intelligence policy, or you think about the case, remember a few years ago when uh, 
that when Newt Gingrich, there was an illegal intercept of a phone conversation uh, involving Newt Gingrich. The media at that time didn't have any problem running with those stories. And that's because the media's job is not to be a law enforcement agency. So I think you are exactly right. Look, what, what happened that is illegal and legal action, law enforcement needs to deal with that. The, that is their job. That is not the job of the media. And for right. them to sort of say, well, you know, we're not sure we should report this stuff. Or uh, listen, listen, they, they are in the tank. They're bought and paid for. They are an extension of the Clinton campaign. I got to run, though. Peter Schweitzer, Clinton cash author. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN. How bad is the economy? We're going to ask uh, Anthony Scaramucci, who's with us next. As an example of the power structure I'm fighting, AT&T is buying Time Warner and thus CNN, a deal we will not approve in my administration because it's too much concentration of power in the hands of too few. Likewise, Amazon, which through its ownership controls the Washington Post, should be paying massive taxes, but it's not paying. And it's a very unfair playing field. And you see what that's happening and what that's doing to department stores all over the country. Very, very unfair. And you're talking about billions and billions of dollars. They should be paying those taxes. Additionally, Comcast's purchase of NBC concentrates far too much power in one massive entity that is trying to tell the voters think and what to do. Deals like this destroy democracy. And we'll look at breaking that deal up and other deals like that. My economic plan will deliver at least 25 million jobs in one decade. Now, our jobs have been taken away. They've gone to Mexico. They've gone to so many other countries. It's a one-lane highway where they get the jobs, they get the factories, they get the money, and we get the drugs, and we get the unemployment, and it's going to change, believe me, and it's going to change fast. And that goes for all countries. When you look at China, when you look at every country, every trade deal we have is horrible. And we should be ashamed of a people and the people that let those deals happen. They're defective and they knew they were defective and they were done for a reason. And believe me, they will be unwound so fast and we will have trade. We will have great trade and it'll be free trade, but it'll be fair trade and it'll be real. All right, glad you're with us. That was Donald Trump and his Gettysburg speech on Saturday. I thought it was probably his best speech. It was sort of his contract with America. There's so many simple but profound things we can do to help this ailing economy. Number one, I think you cut the business tax to from 35 to 15 percent. What, what, what does that mean? Well, that means that incentivizes multinational corporations that don't want to pay our high tax rate that have taken their business elsewhere, that incentivizes them to come back here with trillions of dollars so that they can invest in factories, manufacturing centers, and put Americans back to work. That's a huge incentive for business. Just like the trillions of dollars we know multinational corporations have parked overseas because of our confiscatory corporate tax rate, one of the highest in the industrialized world. If we lower it to 15%, it would be one of the lowest. A one-time repatriation tax of, say, 10% would probably bring a few trillion dollars into the country again, invested, jobs created, manufacturing centers built, factories built, 
and Americans getting back to work. Just like energy independence. America makes a decision, four years will be energy independent. What does that mean? Millions of jobs for those Americans in Ohio and Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin and other 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 states that are out of work. That have millions of jobs, high paying jobs that also offer great career paths for people. There's so many different things that we can do, but we're not doing them. Hillary, she's going to increase taxes 1.2 billion, increase spending 1.4, I'm sorry, trillion and increase spending 1.4 trillion. Anyway, probably one of the smartest people I've gotten to know, he's now a really good friend of mine, Anthony Scaramucci. Uh, he's the Trump campaign national finance member, New York State co-chair and co-host of Wall Street Week on the Fox Business Network. Anyway, he's got a brand new book out that's called Hopping Over the Rabbit Hole, How Entrepreneurs Turn Failure into Success. Now, why is this important? Because we don't know what's going to happen in 15 days from now. We don't know. Anyone that tells you they know doesn't know. Could be a blowout one way or the other. It could be a very close election. You could have somebody win the popular vote, but win the electoral college. Uh, You know, who knows? Could be a squeaker. We don't know. Anyone that tells you is lying to you. So I'm just telling you I don't know. But what about yourself? What are you going to do for your family in spite of who runs your government? We know Social Security, they never had a lockbox and they wasted all that money. We know that Obamacare, we didn't keep our doctors or plans or save $2,500 per family a year. As a matter of fact, since Obamacare was implemented, $4,100 increase in Obamacare or health care payments for the average family. How can you as an entrepreneur... You know, how do you deal with the adversity of bad government policy? How do you deal with unforeseen events? How do you build up a winning financial team for you and your family? I was shocked. Seven in 10 Americans now don't have $1,000 in a safety net put away in, a, in, a, in an account for themselves. Seven out of 10. It's unbelievable. Got 95 million Americans out of the labor force. The worst recovery since the 40s. You've got 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more Americans in poverty, 51 year low as it relates to the home ownership rate. And you've got the first president in history that has never had one year of 3% GDP growth. And on top of that, he's accumulated more debt than all 43 presidents before him combined. So how do you deal with your side of this? How do you succeed in spite of them? And uh, joining us now is my friend Anthony Scaramucci. How are you? Hey, John. It's terrific to be on. I just want to add one more thing is the burden of regulation. And so, you know, we're just thinking about entrepreneurship. If I tried to start Skybridge Capital, the firm I founded in 2005 today, Sean, the first nine employees would have to be lawyers. And so what it does is it cripples the insurgents in our industry, the insurgents in uh, our industrial capitalism and and it makes it really good for the fat cats uh, because it's very hard to create Skybridge today. Uh, it's it, 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 it's harder for me to get knocked off the block. You know, I mean, this is the thing. Look, you have been able to thrive regardless of whether there's a, a Democrat or a Republican in the White House. I mean, you're actually one of the smartest business guys I've gotten to know. Oh, very and kind of and I like, well, I like to pick your brain. Anytime we've been together, you notice that I ask a lot of questions because I want to learn. Well, vice versa. But I, I mean, my, my thing and the reason I wrote the book is I wanted I tried to write a very naked book, Sean, about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. You and I have both read those. Uh, sanitized versions of success where, you know, I know that you were a bartender. I know that you were mowing lawns and painting houses. And I tried to write a book that was very relatable to the people that you and I grew up with so that they could open it up and say, okay, this guy failed a couple of times. I got fired from Goldman Sachs. I failed the bar exam why did you? Twice. Why did you get fired from Goldman Sachs? You never told me that. Okay, so I got fired from Goldman Sachs because I, I wanted the coolest job coming out of Harvard Law School, and that was on the investment banking side. And so 
I went in as an investment banker. I was terrible at the job, Sean. Uh, in February, I, hi- I got hired in August of 1989. I got fired February 1st. of uh, not, not that it was too painful that I remember the exact dates or anything, but I got fired on uh, February 1st, 1991. Uh, and then, believe it or not, two months later, I got rehired back into Goldman Sachs into the sales area. So, so my resume looks great. I had seven straight years at Goldman, but there was a period in there where I was actually lousy at the investment banking job, very good at the investment management job. Um, and I, so I put it down in the book. I wanted people to know that they could have fits and starts in their career. They could stumble, uh, but if they stay on path, they stay persistent, uh, they stay passionate and in love with the things that they're doing, uh, that things can, there, there's a good end to the story. Yeah, that was a very painful time. In well, my you life. sound a little bit like Abe Lincoln. He had a lot of failure before oh, he nope. ended up being very successful. I mean, I didn't know you failed the bar twice. By the way, a yeah. lot of smart people have failed the bar well, twice. Well, I'll tell you why I failed it, okay, because of uh, uh, immature arrogance as a youth. So I'm coming out of Harvard Law School. I had never gotten a 65 on any exam ever. Uh, they told me I needed a 66 to pass this thing. I was water skiing on my dad's fishing boat out on Manhasset Bay on the north shore of Long Island, and I took one week instead of the four necessary weeks to study for it. And then guess what happened to me? I got, I got, I got one, I missed it by one multiple choice question. Okay. So I got a 65.6 on the exam. You needed a 66. New York state doesn't round up Sean. uh, And I was back taking the exam and I had already started my job. And so I couldn't study for it the second time. It wasn't until I went to my boss at Goldman, a, a terrific guy who I said, listen, i got to take two weeks off and study for this thing to pass it, otherwise my mother's going to kill me. So, so this was immature. Uh, this was youthful arrogance. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then, of course, I passed it once I studied for it. But I, I like writing about this stuff because, like you, my career success has not been perfect. There's been a jagged line to the slope of my success. But that's the same for every. I don't know anybody that had a trajectory exactly. only up. Um, and I love what uh, Tony Robbins said. You had a gladiator spirit with your own inspiring story about reinventing your business after the financial crisis. Here's what I want to ask, though. Yeah. Because most people barely are keeping their head above water. Yeah. They're paying more in taxes. They're getting less in services. They're paying more for health care. Most people haven't seen a, an any appreciable increase in salary in years and years and years. They're not, you know, they're, they're the average person of one in seven Americans doesn't have a thousand bucks in their savings account. I mean, that's, that's a dire situation to be in or they're living credit card on credit card debt and they're paying 15% interest rates. You know, how do you, how does that person get their act together? Or what if they're married and they have two kids now it, their life becomes that much harder if they want to step out and do something else. Well, well, listen, I mean, there, there's a lot loaded in there, but the, the thing they have to do is, is, is the first thing they have to do is pay themselves first. And so they've got to figure out whatever their disposable income, they've got to ask themselves if they can live with just 5% or 7% less than what they're currently living on. You mean so like when I had no money and I couldn't afford to go to a restaurant or even buy fast foods? I, that was a point in my life when yeah. I was living paycheck to paycheck, barely paying my rent. Yeah, well, so, so me too. I had, a, uh, I had a flat in Westbury, Long Island that I was sharing with three guys while I was commuting into the city, and I was eating at the Taco Bell on Old Country Road. You remember that Taco Bell? Sure, there, Sean? absolutely. I mean, so I can't tell you the number of nights that I ate there. But, but what I would say is I always tried to put a little bit of money away. Was it $50 a week? Was it $20 a week? Um, and so what happens is it's very empowering if you can watch that grow even if it's a modest amount, Sean, uh, it gives people a little bit of comfort and a little bit of security. And so the first thing you have to do is pay yourself first. The second thing you have to do 
is you've, you, you've, you've got to try to get your arms around uh, uh, what, what job opportunities there are right in front of you. If the job that you're working on right now is not working for you or not paying you enough, what skills can you get? And this is one of the big problems in our economy now, and you and I both know this. We, we're not developing the trade skills, and we're not developing the educational footprint uh, for the average aspirational working class member of our society. And so, so if they've been dislodged from a great job, and they've got two part-time jobs, one at Home Depot and one, say, at McDonald's, we're not helping them get retrained and retooled uh, for the the better job, the better high paying job. And you so, know, there was actually a good segment about this on sixty minutes last night. No, where no, exactly, sure. You know, and they had a, a group of factory guys. They'd worked there what twenty eight years. Exactly. One guy in particular, and I'm and they're retraining these guys. And I'm watching. They don't know who to vote for. Some of them, and I'm like looking at these guys. I'm like, Hillary's not going to help you. Well, there's a, see, there's a lot of misinformation out there. What the left has done in the society is that they've hijacked the emotion, and they've also, for some reason, and you'll have to explain this to me. How did they get the moral high ground, Sean? I cannot figure that out. You know, so I walk around in liberal New York City. I'm a Trump supporter, and as a result of which, I'm supposed to be shamed for my support of him, and I'm morally inferior to those that do not support him. And so I don't even understand how that's possible, because the things that you and I care about, which are uh, uh, aspirational working class, those are families that both of us came from, a burgeoning and growing middle class, the only way you can do that is through uh, the society uh, policies that reduce taxation, empower people, give more power to the individual, less power to the government. You've got to reduce regulation. There's no way that we can live in this overly regulated society. They're trying to make us too safe. You know, I, I was speaking at Sacred Heart University last week on the book, and I said it's like refing. The regulation is so bad, it would be like you and I watching a basketball playoff game where they're calling a foul every two minutes in the game, and they're now distorting and ruining the whole process of the competitive spirit of what's going on on the field. What, what big business would want to invest here? I wouldn't want to invest here. Well, that's why there's so much cash on the S&P balance sheet. We have the highest historical level of cash on the S&P balance sheet since 1951. There's close to $3 trillion of cash on the balance sheet of the S&P 500, and that is basically nation our nation's CEO saying, okay, wait a minute, too much regulation. The United States is not really open for business. Let me hoard cash until I can get into a better business environment, which is another reason why the Trump plan, Sean, would unleash a torrent of growth in the society, uh, because with that tax footprint and his regulatory uh, repeal uh, would give these guys the comfort to start investing that cash into capital, labor, training, all of the things that we well, need. We'll uh, have to, you back because I, we're running out of time here. But the yeah. book is in, on Amazon.com. It's on my website, Hannity.com, and it's in bookstores now everywhere. And it's called Hopping Over the Rabbit Hole, How Entrepreneurs Turn Failure into Success. Anthony Scaramucci, my friend. Uh, look, I, this is we're going to need good advice, God forbid, if she ever gets elected. And how do you circumvent horrible government policies and regulation and survive and do well for you and your family? Because that's what's going to matter. Anyway. Anthony, love the book. Congratulations, my friend. All right, 800-941-SEAN is our number. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 